Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, September 29th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. We have a good show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking to Zach Hirsch, Mystic Zach, a little bit later in the show. But first, we have Chad P. with us. Chad, how are things going? Excellent. They're going great. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, man. The Browns are 2-1. and one. Uh, it's been a long, long time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, since yes. they're above five hundred. So yeah, I just wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, see how you see how you're feeling about this team. What, what are you, what, you know, just kind of, what's your what's your overall feeling right now of optimism or or whatever with this team right now? Uh, really good. Um, the first the first game, everybody like myself was concerned about the slow start and um started kind of go off the deep end a little bit and without putting everything into perspective and i think what we have to remember is that this is not a normal training camp wasn't a normal off season all new coaching staff all new playbook new players added to the roster people didn't get a chance to gel and come together and I think the Ravens kind of caught him off guard. It, but what really kind of put everything back into focus was how quickly Kevin Stefanski was able to, and I know that it's the Cincinnati Bengals and they're not doing very well right now. But to see that team go from what they did against the Ravens to the Bengals in that short period of time really made me rethink about where this team's at, what they're, what they're, what Kevin Stefanski's overall plan is and, and how he's executing it. And uh, I'm, I feel like, and I know we say this every year when they get a new coach, but this time it is honestly different and you can just kind of see it through the players, the calmness, the fact that Kevin Stefanski stays the exact same every time he's done a media availability. And I just, I feel like this is the right tone that this team needs heading down the road here as they learned. Yeah. And I, you know, I was looking at it kind of the same way and I'm again, we're looking at Cincinnati and Washington, not two teams that, that people see as great teams, but you're still looking at how the Browns played in those games, not just the final score. And it surprised me. It has surprised me that the Browns have, turn the corner as quickly as they have with no preseason games and and limited practice with everything being so new. Right. Um, and it wasn't that long ago that this team went 0-16. So even when they yeah. played the bad teams, they couldn't find a win. Yeah, and and they they were um, you know, they were down briefly in the in that uh Washington game and you know it it didn't seem to phase them that's something new right and I think it all stems from their feeding off of Kevin Stefanski's calmness organization and drive to improve each play and that's why I just I wanted Mike McCarthy I was okay with Kevin Stefanski now I am a hundred percent I think that was the perfect choice for this football team. You, you know, some people on Twitter have, 
have uh, not not a lot of people, but a few people have replied to me and said that you know they in certain areas that they're not happy with some of the play calling. And you know what, we hear this all the time. Right. What is what is your thought of the play calling? And we'll just say the last two games. You know, I'm I'm scratching that Ravens game off. I'm not looking at that for any reason now, other than thinking of that as the first preseason. You know, as the first and only preseason game. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. Well, this is the way I look at it. Kevin Stefanski doesn't know this football team. He knows them from practice, and they they so. The plan was to have 11 padded practices. They actually didn't even get 11 padded practices because, remember, they cut one of them short. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about 10.5 padded practices is all Kevin Stefanski has had time to learn this football team. And he yes. said from the beginning that it was going to take four to five weeks to figure out who they're at. I honestly believe that he's using the first part of this this, this little stretch right here to learn what he's got. Because he doesn't know. Joe Woods doesn't know his defense. So each week is another learning lesson for everybody involved. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, talking with my brother, Jeff, he said that, you know, he was thinking that the Browns, you know, I'm sure they're not using all the playbook yet. They're still kind of diving in and kind of. It, just what you're saying, he's learning the team. He's, right. he's kind of trying uh, plays out and players out in different situations. So I don't think we've seen a lot of what he has up his sleeve yet as far as things he's going to do. I'll say that, but I think we've still seen the main things he wants to do, and that's that's run the football. And, and why would you not? And, then right. I, and I think this is another thing that we have to look at. Um, Baker Mayfield has had every single thing changed from the very first day that he got to Cleveland to right now. And I mean, it comes clear down to he has yet, and I don't think people realize this, he has yet to play with the same offensive line for three weeks because Mm -hmm. Conklin was out week two. Mm -hmm. The two tackles that he had last year aren't even on the football team this year. So it's, it's not just that Stefanski's learning. I mean, Baker Mayfield's learning. Joel Batonio's learning. Teller's learning. J.C. Treader's learning. And all these guys are, are still kind of figuring each other out. And we haven't even had a full team yet because of either injuries or something else. So the fact that we're coming out and we're 2-1 and one already, I think, is a is ahead of where Stefanski probably thought the team might be. So. Yeah, I would think so. Take me through how, how you felt about Baker through the first three games, because I think a lot of people wanted to see progress. And there's been talk about, you know, how well Baker has to do to be the guy. And you know, we don't need to get into that because I think you and I are probably in the same spot that we think he needs to be given time here under Stefanski, and we think he, he's going to be fine, um, you know, if that happens. But we see him against the Ravens, and he he looked awful. He really did. He looked like he wasn't going beyond his first read. And then against the Bengals, he looked um, he looked good. He looked comfortable. You know, he threw the pick, but you know that was a, a 
you know, a poor choice or a poor play or, or something. Okay, just made the one mistake. And then against Washington, you know, he, he uh, what was he, two, um, two touchdown passes and no, no picks? Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he looked pretty good, you know. So kind of take me through, you know, the first three games and how, what you think uh, Baker's learning and how you think he's doing so far. Well, I say the first game, there's no doubt that Baker knows the Ravens. He knows their defense. Their defense is absolutely phenomenal. Nobody can take that away. He goes into that game. They have a game plan that they think is going to work. Once again, Kevin Stefanski's never played with this team against the Ravens, so he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's got Jedrick Wills on one side, who is brand new, who's converted from a right tackle to a left tackle. And before the draft even happened, I posted uh, a breakdown of every offensive tackle taken in the draft in the last five years. And there's a lot of them. And only one performed at a high level from the day he was drafted, and that's Ronnie Stanley. Everybody else either didn't play, uh, started late in the season, or ended up becoming a guard. So he's got that. He's got Conklin. He's never played with Conklin before. He doesn't know. I mean, he knows who Conklin is. He knows that he's a great player. But in the back of his mind, I don't think people realize how bad Baker Mayfield got lit up last year by the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bengals, the 49ers. And you know that that's in the back of his head while he's trying to play this game. So then when... When it doesn't work right away and they're still kind of trying to figure out, I think it just steamrolled on him on the Ravens game. Yeah. And when there was something that happened in the Bengals game, and they talked about it on the, the sh- on the television show, was that Odell came up to try to talk to Baker on the Bengals' first drive. And Baker shrugged him off because he was laser-focused on what was going on on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think that translated. So then we make it to the Washington game. Once again, you're going against five first-round guys. He had Sam Hubbard at tackle the week before. Now he's got Conklin back in the game. He's learning that he can trust Jedrick Wills. And I, I think it's still... You know, in the back of his mind, he's remembering, you know, all the games before. It it takes a minute to get past, you know, okay, hey, I can trust these guys. And I think you watched him develop that throughout the game. And he's still got to get timing down. He doesn't have that down with all these guys yet. Um, you know, once again, it's a brand new offense. But what I also did was did a breakdown of how Kevin Stefanski used Kirk Cousins in 2019 and how he's using Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, here he is, at the time was an eight-year veteran, um, $80 million investment by the Minnesota Vikings. And through three games, Baker Mayfield is outperforming him. Yards, touchdowns, um, completions, overall passer rating. And so you're taking a guy who's been in four different offenses, Versus a veteran who at one time was considered to be the most sought after free agent quarterback. And Baker's right there with him. 
Yeah, tell me, tell me this: is uh, is Baker or are the Browns going downfield more than what the Vikings did in this offense? I, I know the Vikings went, you know, um, were going downfield to to Diggs and Thielen a bit, but uh, you know, there, there's a lot of guys averaging, you know, 15, 20 yards a, a reception on the Browns over the past couple of weeks. I'm just kind of wondering how that compares to to what the Vikings have been doing. Um, the hard part about that is is that I have the totals for the year, mm-hmm. so I will have to like actually break it down. But when you look at the overall totals for the year, and I'll just kind of give you an idea here where we're at with from zero to ten yards. Kirk Cousins was was throwing to his left 49 of 62 was, was his completion rate, 92 of 112 in the middle of the field, 39 of 47 on the right side of the field. Mm-hmm. That's where his money was being made yeah. f- with, with Kevin Stefanski. So now once you start getting into, so over 20 yards, and this is for the entire season. This isn't just the first three games, right? Mm-hmm. 29 to the right. 21 to the middle, 19 to the left. So that's this is that's a huge comparison. There wasn't a lot of shots deep. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I really, I mean, I, I expect the Browns to go deep on occasion. I didn't. I expected this defense to or this offense to not goes deep and you know gunsling like they like they tried to do under Freddie because because of the running game and because of the tight ends they had you know I, I figured that there would be you know more short passes but I guess when you have uh, OBJ and Jarvis and some of these other guys you need to utilize them the way they can be utilized too right it- and I think that's important. I mean, because and I did. I wish. I'm, I'm sorry that I don't have my chart up, but I actually did post a chart that broke down how Kevin Stefanski distributed the ball in 2019, and that's what I was trying to explain um, before we got to where we're at right now. That it's going to be just a couple guys that are going to get the ball, and when you make uh-huh. an investment in Hooper. And you've already got um, Hunt, who is catching normally 85%. Yeah. You don't need a third wide receiver. No, you don't. You don't. Yeah, right. we, we've talked about that a bit here on the, the podcast, um, that, that Hunt and Hooper should both really have, you know, quite a few more receptions than, than the third uh, wide receiver, whoever that might be. So, just I, I do have it right here, just to give you an idea. Um, out of all, all the passes that were made, Stefan Diggs had 99 of them. Um, Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook ended up with 73. Thielen, 62. Rudolph, 55. Smith, uh, the other tight end, at 49. So, right there is the majority of your targets are two tight ends, two receivers, and a running back. Yeah, and they don't have a, a second running back like like the Browns do. No, and, and <laughs> no, and they don't. And 
they don't have Nick Chubb, who's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. Right. So, and, and it, so if if you imagine that this team, or if Baker Mayfield was a rookie just coming into the NFL, this was his first year with Kevin Stefanski. This is exactly how you would bring him along until he has a better understanding of the offense. Yeah, that's right. And you're talking about Chubb and Hunt. These guys have been incredible. And against Washington, you know, it it took a little while to get Chubb going. But they they stuck with it. You know, there there were a lot of two-yard runs there, you know, at the beginning of the game. Um, You know, there were some two-yard runs that turned into five-yard runs, too. But once they got going and kind of wore down Washington's defensive line, then, you know, the game was pretty much over at that point. So... Go ahead. But that is exactly how the how the Redskins had played the game the games prior to that game. Is yeah. that it you know what I mean? Is that they're so strong up front that it takes a minute to wear them down to where you can start opening it up. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch to watch the Browns, you know, in, in games going forward because it's going to be you know, to to find out what what it's going to take, uh, you know, what kind of a deficit it's going to take to get the Browns to go away from that running game, um, because you can't, you just can't give up on these guys as good as they are. You know, if you're down a couple touchdowns, you can't just go out there and just start throwing the ball every time when you have guys this good at, at running back. Exactly, because at any time you hand the ball off to Nick Chubb, he can break one for a touchdown from anywhere on the football field. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, he he's kind of been held in check on on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but on a real long touchdown run so far this season. So you know he's due. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So, could be could be this week. <laughs> Where I think the Browns are at right now is exactly where they should be. Where Baker Mayfield's at right now is exactly where he should be. And while we might want Baker to throw the ball all over the field, or some people do, I don't. I actually want him to do exactly what he's doing. Mm. He's not going to go against what Kevin Stefanski's telling him to do. And if if Alex Van Pelt and Stefanski are saying, look, here's where we want you to go on your first read. Here's where your second read is at. And if your second read is there, and that happens to be, say, Landry at nine yards out, and it doesn't matter whether OBJ or Hodge or whoever's open 30 yards down the field, they're telling him, we you need to go right here. Yeah. And he's not going to be overriding his coaching staff three weeks into this into the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, it, yeah, it's the best way to get this offense playing well is to have him do that and not be freelancing all the time and not taking off out of a good pocket. <laughs> you know, which we've seen in the past. Um, right. You know, the past two two games, he's looked good. He's he's been standing in there. Uh, you know, pretty much an appropriate amount of time, um, just just about every play. So so it's been you know it's been it's been good to see. 
Um, Which, yeah, and I will agree, during the first half against Washington, he was, he, uh, Mayfield and Wills both were all a little excited. And Wills I was think, jumpy. Yeah. Yeah, he was. But do you blame him? I mean, it's still all new for him as well. And, yeah, I mean, we, like you said, we got to remember he's a rookie and, man, a rookie left tackle. You can't expect this kid to be perfect now. No, but I'm, but and if I go back to my chart that I made where I, you talk about um, tackles taken in the first round for the last five years, he's performing better than almost all of them outside of Stanley. And yeah, it's it, not easy. So, yeah, no, it's not easy at all. And when you even look at like Andre Dillard, who was taken by the Eagles. Mm hmm. When when it comes to a tackle prospect entering the draft, there was uh, Andre Dillard was off the charts as far as like a prospect was concerned, and he didn't even get a play really until this year. Yeah. And Wills is starting at a different position and actually performing really well. So I couldn't be more impressed with the young man. Well, I think. You know, you can't take anything away from any of the guys who are out there playing, but um, there's got to be a lot of good things happening with, with Bill Callahan. Oh, with these guys. Yes. Yeah, what a godsend he has been. Because not only that, you look at what he's done with Teller, and J.C.'s gotten better, Joe Batonio's gotten better, Wills is playing way above where he should be playing being this new and not having a full training camp or an off normal off season. You can't be more impressed with the job that he's done. Yeah. And Chris Hubbard played against the Bengals, right? Yes, he did. And, and he, he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, yeah. He played great. So, um, yeah, yeah. You got to give Bill Callahan credit and all of these guys for, for listening and doing their job and learning you know, whatever he's teaching them. You know, uh, which is how to how to play offensive line correctly. So, um, I wanted to just get your thoughts on the defense real quick here. Then the defense, which you know, it, it gave up a lot of points. So it's, it's given up a lot of points. Um, the game was never really in doubt. I don't think against the Bengals, but um, you know, the defense did what it had to do to to keep the lead all the time. And then um, against Washington, it's like all of a sudden. They're this, uh, they're this, this ball hawking turnover defense. You know, maybe, maybe Dwayne Haskins is at fault, but um, you know, if if they if we can get some turnovers forced by this defense, that's really going to help the offense. Agree, and this is my opinion, um, in my opinion only. But it, watching the game, it seems like the defense feeds off of the offense. Mm-hmm. And I and it wouldn't surprise me is like if you go back last year and the defense plays really really well and the offense just sputters, you kind of get worn down. It's like I'm going to go out here and give it all, give it all, give it all, and then the offense isn't going to do anything. So when the offense goes out and they they get an interception and the offense goes down the field and scores a touchdown, it's it's energized the defense to step up. The yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And then you have plays, you know, um, like uh, 
like the play that OBJ made on that ball that could have easily been a pick. Yeah. I'm going out there fighting, batting that ball down. You know, it, it's just plays like that by the offense. Um, not only the scoring plays for the offense, but plays like that to, to help the defense out. Um, yeah, you, you make a great point that, that the offense and defense can feed on each other. So, God, let's, let's hope that continues. Yeah, and I think, once again, I think we kind of lose perspective of what the past was. And we have to remember, these players went through that. These players went through a head coach using a special teams coach to spy on the offensive coordinator. A defensive coach that was literally having shouting matches with the head coach. To then go to uh, Fred, who has his offensive coordinator on the field before games making fun of the head coach. So these you, you, these players have dealt with that for the last three years. Yeah. So yeah. we have to, it, they're human beings just like you and I. Right. And, and I posted this too as well. Kevin Stefanski has to not only learn this football team, he has to earn the trust of all those players as well that this isn't going to be another circus. And that right. they're going to invest their bodies for him. They want to know that there is going to be a return that's going to last more than six months. Yeah, and I think these players are ready for a professional environment. <laughs> Just like yes. they are. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's you, what they're getting. Yes, I agree completely. I'm so impressed with Kevin Stefanski's interviews that he's doing or media availabilities where he just – He's very straightforward. Like Nathan Zagura asked him after the big win against Cincinnati. He's like, so, Coach, what did you do after the big win? Kevin said, I went to bed. It was late. (laughs) Beautiful answer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So give me a give me a prediction for the for the Dallas game. this is something where, I, and I've seen this all over Twitter, and everybody's like, you know, if the, if the Browns win this game, blah, 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 blah. This game is a learning game. This is a football team that in the midst of the COVA and everything that we're dealing with is going to travel all the way to Dallas, Texas. This is brand new for them as a team. You've got everything, and they're going against a good football team. Yeah, yeah. I don't care whether they win or lose the Cowboys game because it's not a must-win football game. This is a right. learning game. I hope that they that, that they improve from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. I just want to see the team improve because yeah. week five is a must-win football game if they want to make the playoffs. That's against the Colts. So yeah. I want to I, – I want – I hope that, and I want them to beat the Cowboys. I mean, I always want the Browns to win. But if they don't pull off a win and they learn and the football team is better in the fourth quarter than they were in the first quarter, I I think that's where we have to kind of like temper our expectations and kind of put it into a reality check that that's what you want to see. Like it or not, the Cowboys have been a stable organization for a long time. They're coming off a painful loss. Um, there's media controversy today about Jerry Jones said this, and no, he didn't really mean it. 
And, you know, so you're going to have a very motivated and frustrated football team playing at home. The Browns are going to travel. They're locked in a hotel room. This isn't yeah. normal. So if they can, yeah. like I said, if they look better in the fourth quarter than the first and they keep it close, then we can focus on the really important game, which is the Indianapolis Colts the next week at home. Then that's that's five weeks into the season. Uh, the excuses will be gone. Everybody should know what they're doing. And it's time for this team to start making a run if we're going to be serious. That's a great perspective, Chad. Yeah, I Thank really you. like that. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, everybody, uh, you can follow Chad at ChadP71, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Then uh, thanks, Chad. And uh, we're going to have to have you back on soon. Yes, anytime. Thank you for having me. I always, I always enjoy doing this with you. It's a good time. Absolutely. All right. Take care. You too, sir. Yeah, we're going to bring in Mystic Zach, Zach Hirsch. How are things going, Zach? Things are going great. We got the NFL back. Yeah, you know, uh, some news today out, of, you know, about COVID and the, uh, um, was it the, uh, the Vikings? Um, no, the Titans. Titans. Titans played the Vikings last. So, um, yeah, well, uh, before we really get get into anything else, what are your thoughts about that? You think it's uh, you think they're going to get this thing under control quickly? I hope so. I saw a couple people saying they might forfeit the game. I don't think that's going to happen. And then, but they can't get into the building until Saturday, so they might have to switch the bye weeks around. And I'm assuming the NFL the protocol in place to uh, you know mitigate it and make sure that they they know what to do if the team has a couple positive cases. I also heard that they were aware of one of the positive cases before they played their game. So that's pretty interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, this is a Browns podcast. So our whole angle here is that the Titans are playing the Steelers. And we really want the Titans to be at full strength and not have any disadvantage going into this game because we see this as a potential loss for the Steelers, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But <laughs> yeah, and you know, if the Titans have to forfeit the game, that's a big a blow to any Steeler division rival. Yeah, it's definitely. a free win. Yeah, I would hope that they would, you know, push the game back or, or something. Um, you know, hopefully pushing it back to Monday is, is a worst case. Uh, but we'll see. So, uh, so, Zach, you have a rather large and impressive Instagram account. It's at it's um it's not at it's I pick wins. You have three hundred and seventy five thousand followers. That's um that's a lot. Yeah, so I've been uh, doing the Instagram for a little over a year. I started about week one last year of the NFL season, and I was able to have a lot of success in uh, sports handicapping and picking a lot of different sports. And then uh, I was able to kind of combine it with the social influence side of things with a lot of different people like uh, Logan Paul and Jake Paul were both from Cleveland. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very good year on the Instagram side of things. Very nice. Now you're, um, you're 18. You just, you just, um, are you're in your freshman year of college or you're, you're going to be starting or you just started. Is that right? 
You just yeah, started your freshman year? a few weeks ago. <laughs> so you, you go to Lynn College. Is that in Florida? Yeah, it's in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Okay. Well, that, sound, that sounds like a pretty nice area to be going to college in. But you're from Florida anyways, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm from right around the area. So, um, so what's what's the environment? Are you are you, do you have uh, in person class? Um, so basically, they do a class in person every other day. You're kind of on a block schedule, but I my my house is close, and I'm like a lot of the teachers aren't even there, so I just decided for at least this semester just to stay home and do my classes online. It's probably a smart decision. That's good. So yeah, um, it's a lot easier. So, have you committed to what you're what you're studying in college yet? Yeah, so I'm I'm studying sports management. I already finished that course. Actually, it's a very accelerated uh, this year, where you do it instead of a 16 week period, you're over a four week period. So you do four times as long classes, which equals up to two and a half hours a day, and it's very accelerated. So you did that in the summer leading up to. To this no, year. we started very early. We started in August, and I was oh. able to finish it. Now I'm on a new set of classes. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. All right. So sports management, nice. So you've been handicapping uh, for well, you've been picking games for a long time. So um, I heard the story, and, and I think uh, from listening to you being on some other. Uh, on some other, uh, it wasn't a podcast. I think you were on another interview where you um, you said you you were picking games against your your family, and that's going back to when you're five and six years old, and you were doing pretty good all the way back then. Yeah. So uh, when I was younger, we would do a football pool with the four of us, and uh, I mean, my mom and brother aren't huge football fans, but uh, my dad's a pretty big NFL fan, and uh, me and my dad would pretty much split. You know, half and half. Maybe I was in second grade or so, and uh, yeah, I was just—I was always known as the sports kid who could name all the all the players in the team, all the players, and a lot of different statistics. I could recite power rankings, just a lot of uh, a lot of different stuff. So you you have a photographic memory, is that right? Yeah, I like to call it a a photographic sports memory, but uh. It's basically a, uh, a photographic <laughs> memory that that uh, that really really works when I'm passionate about something, and that's obviously been sports. It's been my number one hobby since I was a kid, and it's allowed me to really excel as a sports handicapper and analyst to where I can remember things a lot of people wouldn't remember about different things and tells and plays, and it's just a, a really unique advantage. So, kind of help help me understand this a little bit when you're. When you're picking or when you're thinking about a game, so let's just say, um, you know, the Broncos played the Jets this week. So when you hear that these two teams are playing, you can kind of, you can kind of think about in your head tendencies. You already know tendencies that are there, maybe from just from seeing or watching highlights or from looking at stats. So you've got some of this homework already done in your head. Is that kind of how it works for you? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I have a pretty good baseline of what every team is going into the season, and uh, I obviously doesn't apply to the teams with new coaches, and I, 
I keep my eye out and keep up with statistics. And I keep up, a lot of it, I keep up with is uh, how they're calling their plays, how they're running their team, how their front office is. I think that's a really uh, unique way of looking at it as well. And then really the main thing I look at is a quarterback play. And uh, that's the, that's probably the biggest thing when I'm picking games. And mm-hmm. if you notice, like if you look through all my picks, it's a trend that uh, what, whatever team I pick likely has the better quarterback than the other team. And I just think it's such a huge advantage. And it, it's so hard for me to pick against a team that has the advantage of the quarterback position. Well, that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, the with the the rules in the league right now, you know, it definitely gives the offense the advantage. Uh, so, so yeah, a good quarterback can take advantage of that. So, so yeah, uh, makes a lot of sense. And right now, uh, home field doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot. So you can kind of throw that out the window almost too. So <laughs> looking yeah, at the I quarterbacks agree. is a good place to start, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually made it a lot easier because the lines in particular haven't really adjusted. Um, they're still acting as if there is a home field advantage, which there's really not much of one. I mean, there's no fan, so it just allows a guy like we've seen Aaron Rodgers really elevate his game this year. He's able to do his snap counts a lot better, especially with no fans. He just seems to be a lot a lot more confident in his throws and things like that. And I think a lot of it is because there is no uh, – he's a kind of a permanent home field advantage to where he's always smarter than the defense because he's such a smart player. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's a great point and um I don't people really haven't been talking about that much with the quarterback play. And you know, seeing guys and um I assume the same thing's probably true for Russell Wilson. Of course, Seattle's notorious for being a, a you know, one of the loudest places with their fans. So, uh, it's probably allowed the other teams to to stay in the game with Seattle because they've had very high-scoring games. Yeah, that's true. But also, you know, Russell Wilson is has the uh, can do the silent snap count now. So, I mean, obviously the fans usually don't make too much noise in their offense, but I think the Seahawks are a really smart team, and obviously they're very well coached. So I think they're able to adapt to pretty much any circumstance mm-hmm. as to where if a team had a similar home field advantage and wasn't as well coached as them, I think it'd probably show more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was talking about the 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 uh, the opposition's quarterback, you know, not having to face that noise is yeah. kind of what's what's, you know, kept some other teams in in uh, in the game against uh, the Seahawks. But uh, Russell Wilson's been playing very well, no matter how you look at it. So uh, but this is a Browns podcast. So let's let's talk about the Browns a little bit, Zach. I just kind of wanted to get your um your impressions overall with the Browns organization, with this regime, <laughs> we're three games in, and all we really want in Cleveland, or all I really want, uh, maybe it's not what everybody else wants. You know, we have very loyal fans here, but a lot of the loyal fans are, are impatient, tired of losing, and all they want to do is win. Me, I want to coach here for, I want to coach to be here for the next three, five, seven, ten years and see what happens versus having a revolving door. And I want the same thing at GM, you know, so what are your thoughts of 
what you've seen out of the Browns and maybe in the off season in these first three games. Yeah. So for the first time in a long time, I think I, uh, I really like the Browns head coach hire. I think uh, Kevin Stefanski is a solid hire. He's a, you see in the past, he's a good play caller, especially for the Vikings. And I think he's able to do a lot of uh, unique things on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, gets to under Gary Kubiak, who's a mastermind of the run game, and now fits in perfectly with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They turn a lot of 12 personnel, and they've got uh, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, and Austin Hooper now. So I think schematically, it was a really good fit. And then I think their uh, GM, their new GM, Andrew Barry, is uh, very smart. And he really takes an analytical approach. And I think that's something the Browns are probably needed. And I think uh, Paul Paul D. Podesta is also a, a very, very smart. And I really, you can tell that they're uh, very adept at adding talent. Just a matter of, one, getting Baker Mayfield on track. And two, putting it all together. So if you were to put something out saying whether or not Stefanski would be here three years from now, what would you say? I'd say yes. I'd go with the over, but I, uh, but as far as the quarterback Baker Mayfield goes, I don't think he lasts the three years. Okay. I was going to ask you about Baker, Baker next. So, um, Kim, what's, uh, what do you see with Baker and why, why do you think he will not last Three more years. Do you think they don't keep him after, or do you think they don't extend him for that fifth year, or do you think he just doesn't do well enough, or what? Um, I just don't think he's very good, and I used to think he was, but I think just recently he's just a one-read quarterback, and he's also been extremely inaccurate recently. He's kind of a turnover machine, and I don't think his situation could be any easier with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Um, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that would do a lot more in his circumstance. And he's just very, very antsy in the pocket. And he seems to kind of lot, have lost his confidence, which I think a lot of people attribute to the Cleveland Browns' lack of offensive line play last year, which could be. Just to me, he seems kind of like a broken quarterback. I think the Browns would really benefit from going run heavy this year and looking at a, another potential franchise quarterback in the coming seasons because I just don't think he's the guy. Well, you know what? I, I would have agreed with you after the Ravens game or agreed that it looked like he was heading that direction. But I think I think we've seen a little bit of a change in him the last two weeks. So I think I think a lot of us are, are thinking that um, maybe he's meshing a little bit better with the guys and, and learning a little bit from Stefanski in this system. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, um, Regardless, uh, Baker's the best quarterback we've had in Cleveland in a long time, even if he's not a top 10 or 15 quarterback. So um, we're happy about that. But, um, you know, um, you talked about uh, looking at quarterbacks. What do you think about the Browns running backs? Uh, I think they're undoubtedly the best running back duo in the league. I mean, you don't get better than Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, Nick Chubb is arguably the best pure runner in the NFL. He's just so violent. Mm-hmm. He's so good at the uh, the long plays. And Kareem Hunt's a fantastic pass catcher. Also a very good runner. They obviously got him extended, too. So I think those two guys as a tandem are fantastic. And, yeah, just 
Um, yeah, you get to where you can only throw out so many superlatives for those guys. They're fun to watch. Let's put it that way. And especially when the Browns are in games or leading, um, it, it's even more fun because you know they're going to be getting the ball. So um, let's, uh, before we talk about some games, um, I wanted to get to uh, just um, some of the uh, some of the notes I saw about you. Talked about some of the charity work you did and so forth. I, is is that still an ongoing thing, Zach? Yeah. So for a few years now, I've been involved in the uh, Be Like Grid charity, which helps. Uh, well, it's a uh, it's an organization. They're an orphanage in Haiti, and uh, they they help build houses for homeless families in the Grand Guave area as well as provide a home for 64 different children. And uh, I was able, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Haiti a few years ago and uh, help build the house and do a lot of other great things. And since then, I've been working hard to raise money to donate to build more houses and uh, hopefully build as much as possible. That's excellent. So let's talk about a few football games. And... I'm sure everybody would love your picks on all of these. We're not going to give everybody all those, but we're going to do a little bit of analysis. So um, I assume you probably have the the slate in front of you or know the slate. So I tell you what, I'll just kind of let you go through um, any games that you want to talk about. Uh, you know what? Let's start with the Browns Cowboys, because that's probably what people want to want to hear first here. And then we'll then we'll touch on some other ones. Uh, yeah, so as far as Browns Cowboys go, it's funny. I just uh, I just finished up filming my uh, my picks of the week, which I do every week, and uh, one of my picks was the uh, the Cowboys over the Browns, and uh, I just think that because I just don't trust this Brown secondary. I think uh, Denzel Ward's a very good number one corner. He's tremendously underrated, actually, but I just don't think the Brown safeties and then their linebackers. I just don't think they can keep up with the Cowboys' passing attack. And I just don't see Baker Mayfield taking advantage of a weakened Dallas secondary. Yeah. So tell me this: when you when you pick, do you do you consider the spread, or do you just pick straight up? Um, I can't lie to you. It 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 seeps into my head, but I do pick money line, and I I don't pick with the spread. But you know, if you look at my page, right? If I do a, a pick where a team is favored by a lot, like for example, this week the Rams are playing the Giants. I think the Rams were like 13 and a half point favorites. If I mm-hmm. was to pick that game and Baltimore over Washington, everyone would go crazy. They would say, uh, anyone can pick this, you know, whatever, whatever. So it kind of puts a chip in my shoulder to really try to target the games where a team is a four to a five point favorite. And, you know, you can put it together and put in a good parlay. Like for the Browns Cowboys game, for example, the Cowboys are one and two. They're coming off a loss and it's only a four point spread. So I think a lot of people think that game's up in the air mm-hmm. yeah no that makes sense and yeah i mean for what it's worth i that cowboys passing attack if if it's not scaring browns fans then then they're not being realistic because the cowboys have have three excellent wide receivers a, a very nice tight end and and uh you know and and zach can throw the um uh, Dak, I should say, and too many, and too many Zacks. Um, <laughs> Dak can throw the ball to you know to all those guys. So 
Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely a concern. The Browns offense is going to have to be ready to score a ton of points if they want to be in that game. So um, Yeah, and I, I think Baker's going to really have to hit those open targets because they will be there, and obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is very good at getting open. I think it's just a matter of him hitting those open throws, which he hasn't been doing too well. Yeah, I mean, Odell's been playing very well so far, too, so hopefully that'll continue. So, um, is, Are there any other games in particular you want to talk about, or you just want me to throw out a few to you? Uh, you can throw them out. You know, there... <laughs> It, this this week, I tell you what, there are a few real duds of games, you know? Yeah, it's a rough um, slate compared to last week, especially. Yeah, I mean, um, geez, I mean, probably, uh, I mean, the Colts 2-1 and one against the Bears, but that's at the Bears 3-0. and oh. I mean, do you expect the Colts to compete in that game? Uh, yeah, you know, and I think uh, I think Nick Foles coming back really adds a layer to that offense. I'm not sure how they team that Mitchell Trubisky was a better quarterback. The only conclusion I can really come to is that Foles isn't a great practice guy. He's just more of an in-game guy. And I think when you saw Foles into that offense, I think you saw a new dimension and that he can really open it up with the deep ball. And uh, we saw him throw those bombs to Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. And I think he can really stretch teams out, which allows less guys in the box to help Dave Montgomery. I think it just helps everything all around. And you can hit those deep bombs, threaten them with a deep bomb. And uh, I think that's a, a very valuable facet in the NFL. And then on the other side of the Colts, you have a different strategy where Phillip Rivers is still a very solid quarterback, but his arms isn't the same. It's mm-hmm. not what it used to be. He's not really throwing those deep balls. So they're kind of going for more of a short intermediate type game with T.Y. Hilton and now Mo Ali Cox, who's kind of emerged as their tight end. And uh, they've really, really been running Jonathan Taylor as their bell cow. And he's been, uh, he's been pretty good, you know, obviously a coveted prospect coming out of Wisconsin. Yeah. And they also have a tremendous offensive line. Very. I think, in my opinion, the Colts have the league's best offensive line. When you, when you couple that with Jonathan Taylor and a quarterback that seldom makes mistakes, I think they have a – I think they could potentially have a solid team, especially with Coach Frank Reich. So I think it's just a matter of uh, which team is able to put it together and coach a better game. Yeah. So the, the Patriots – play at the Chiefs. So in one of my uh, in one of my uh, fantasy leagues, I have the Patriots defense. Do you think I should be picking up a different defense this week? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone I wouldn't advise anyone to uh, uh start a defense, defense against, against the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a kamikaze mission. But. Yeah. So um, uh, this, this Chiefs offense really is fantastic. I, I know. I, I, I don't know who is going to compete against this team. I mean, um, I just, I mean, they're, they're the Patriots. You never count them out. But, man, after watching what the Chiefs did to, to the Ravens, um, you know, it, it's hard to imagine that, that a lot of teams are going to give this Chiefs team a game this year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Chiefs, uh, what really turned around the last few years is that defense. You know, they switched to uh, Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator, and he has really implemented, in my opinion, a much better defense to where they don't allow the big plays. They don't allow teams in the games. They force teams to to gain their yards methodically while they're airing it out deep, and it's just absolutely demoralizing for other teams. And the only way you can really beat them is to hope Patrick Mahomes isn't making all the throws he can. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, just kind of pray, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe pray it back where we are. So uh, let's see. Um, Bills at Bills at the Raiders. Uh, Bills three and zero. Raiders two and one. Are are you buying the Raiders at two and one? really and i'll tell you why i think their defense is just so suspect especially along the defensive line uh they have the cowboys old defensive line coach rod marinelli and uh he's obviously been around for a very long time you know he really he helped coin the tampa too but he's just not very uh built for the modern nfl in my opinion i mean you saw the patriots just absolutely gashing them it, yeah. it was bad like there was gigantic run lanes you saw in past years, the Cowboys, when they played the Rams in the playoffs, C.J. Anderson, Todd Gurley absolutely gashed them. I just think as, as, as the Raiders get into the playoffs, I just think they're going to get gashed by the run or the pass just because of their defense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's see. Um, the Saints at the Lions. Uh, Saints are one and two. I, is this a – let's see. <laughs> You know, I, I would think this would be kind of a, a coming out party for the Saints um, against the Lions, but but who knows? What, what are your thoughts there? Um, I think Saints fans should have a moderate level of concern because to me it looks like Drew Brees' arm is just not where it was. And we're, we're very early into the season. I can only imagine where it's going to be by the playoff time. You it does not look good. The falter usually by the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Now it's early. I mean, last year they lost to the Vikings in a game they really shouldn't have lost. And the year before, the year before, it's just looking kind of ugly. I mean, if his arm continues to struggle, I don't. It's it's they have a very capped ceiling if that's the case. Yeah, I I love Drew Brees, but man, he just yeah, it, it looks like they need to have somebody come in and throw for him. It really does. He just cannot throw that football very well. So um. Yeah, but the, the Lions defense, you know, it's a good he, – he, even he may be able to find some openings there. So, well, we know he can find the openings. It's just a matter of if he can get the ball there or not. So Yeah, exactly. I think his accuracy and decision-making is still there. He's still very accurate from 5 to 15 yards, but, man, when he has to push some of those balls, it gets kind of ugly. Yeah. How about the Chargers at the Bucks? Um you know, the Chargers have looked pretty decent sometimes, and I think, you know, and, and of course, the Bucks are have been a darling, you know, because of Brady. So, um, which of these which of these teams um, do you like better in the long run? Not necessarily in this game. It's, um, it's an interesting question, and I think I, I like the Buccaneers more in the long run, and I think they have a, a very underrated secondary, especially, you know, they're, they're a pretty solid unit. They're also pretty stout against the run. And then I think once they get Brady going with a healthy Chris Godwin and a healthy Mike Evans and maybe Gronk get some get some momentum, I think they're really going to be a tough team to stop as well. Because I think Tom Brady is different than a Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers, right? He still has his arm strength. If you watch mm-hmm. him, he's still able to push the deep ball. He looks very good. He's very accurate. And uh, I think that it could be dangerous for any team if they get into the playoffs. Yeah, now we have, you know, we have a lot of winless teams here. Which of these teams is going to get a win this week? I don't think it's going to be the Falcons at the Packers. Um, I would guess it won't be the Giants at the Rams. Um, so we're down to the Bengals hosting the Jags. 
or and then we've got the Broncos at the Jets and the Vikings at the Texans. Um, who do you feel you most strongly got the Eagles about? Too. Oh, the Eagles, yeah. Well, I think I kind of skipped them on purpose. At the Niners, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say that that is probably not going to be a win. Yeah, and it's funny because Philly on paper should be able to stack up with these teams, but yeah, they're snake bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, who do you feel most strongly about getting up, picking up a their first win? Um, I think teams? the Bengals. You know, especially uh, you know, I think Joe Burrow really showed some. Some nice flashes last week in their tie against the uh, Eagles. I think in the second half, he's really hitting his groove. He seems mm-hmm. to have a good report with uh, uh, T. Higgins. They've also got A.J. Green, who they kind of forced the ball to a little bit too much. I don't know if you're able to catch their game, but A.J. Green just really lacks the explosiveness he used to as a younger guy. He's 32 now. He's had a litany of injuries, yeah. and he's still a good, solid, big-body possession guy, but he's not a deep threat anymore, and he's not getting separation on a post route. So, like, you trying to force the ball there just isn't going to work. And I think they should probably look to cut ties and go with more Tyler Boyds instead of A.J. Green's. Yeah, A.J. Green just hasn't played a lot. And, and quite. And, I mean, it's been, what, two, three seasons since he's really played quite a bit, I think, um, with the injuries. So, so yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Um, it, it's probably the best chance they have. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how their schedule stacks up. I know they've got a game against the Browns again in uh, another three, four weeks. But um, yeah, against hosting the Jags, uh, I'm sure they're feeling like like they have a shot for a win there. Um, yeah, I think I think the main thing with them is just getting that offensive line on point. You know, I think they found their franchise left tackle in Jonah Williams, which is those other four guys, and they just need to allow Joe Burrow to get some time in the pocket. And they need a block for Mixon so we can kind of relieve some of the pressure. So I think in the offseason, especially if they get like a top pick, I think they should definitely go with an offensive lineman just to, to really shore up that, uh, that front five. Yeah, yeah, I can tell you just from I, – I didn't catch their game this past week, but from when the Browns played them, their offensive line is definitely where they need the help. Um, they, they, You know, they need to – when you have – a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you need to protect a guy. I mean, you don't want him getting killed out there his rookie season uh, to where it's something that's going to affect him throughout his career. So Exactly. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, not that I'm rooting for a division rival, but I, I really don't want to see the guy get his career messed up, you know. Um, so hopefully they, they take care of that enough to where, to where he doesn't get uh, the crap beat out of him like that so um oh let's let's uh let's go back to the Steelers Titans game and assume that maybe this game gets moved to Monday maybe the Titans get a few practices in how do you see that game how do you see that game going or what what's your thoughts on that game um man I think it's gonna be tough for the Titans to get a lot going and I say that because that Steelers run defense is relentless I mean, mm-hmm. if you watch that uh, Steelers Giants game, Saquon Barkley, when he was five yards in the backfield, they were on. They were on him. I mean, uh, Casey Hayward, T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree—they're just really, really relentless. Tough, I think yeah. they're they're a very uh, well coached spot of guys. So I think if the Titans 
can't get Derrick Henry's legs going, and then Tannehill's forced to pass against a very good pass rush, I think they could be in trouble, especially without their number one receiver in A.J. Brown. Yeah, and then if uh, if they have to play without practices or with, with uh, you know one or two practices, um, makes it that much tougher. So. Yeah, it really does, and uh, it seems to have a solid squad, especially with a healthy Big Ben. They do, and it, it's uh, it's unfortunate <laughs> from a Brown standpoint, but uh, and, and you know to be realistic, I I wasn't looking for the Browns to. To make a deep run this season anyways you know kind of looking at this season to to be a season where the team grows under Stefanski and hopefully puts together a decent record you know um, I figure if they got the you know eight and eight or nine and seven um, with with the talent I think they have uh, let's face it a winning record for the Browns would be huge so, you know, anything close to that this season uh, would be great. But um, still can't root for the Steelers. Just can't do it. <laughs> so, so, Zach, let's uh, let me give you let me give you a chance to uh, throw out any other information you'd like to about how everybody can can uh, follow you or get in contact with you. Yeah, you can get in touch with me at iPickWins on Instagram or at uh, www.ipickwins.com. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So uh, I hope everybody's going to check out your stuff. It, it's definitely good stuff. you got a great record. Um, doing a lot of good things. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. All right. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.